Welcome to the Kingdom Life San Antonio podcast. For more information about Kingdom Life San Antonio, check out KingdomLifeSA.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Well, hey, good to see you guys. Um, if you're visiting, I'm Chuck, I'm one of the pastors here. Our senior leaders, Joey and Kelly Festi, are out of town. Joey's in Atlanta, I think. Kelly is in Mexico celebrating her mom's birthday. So I think they're having a really hard time there. Um, you can pray for them. And uh, Jeff and Emery couldn't be here tonight. Um, they had something come up that they couldn't be here. So here I am. And Anna is home with a sick baby. So stretch your hand toward my house and say, London be healed in Jesus' name. And help Anna. Well, hey, you doing well? Awesome. I'm not convinced. Are you guys doing okay? Awesome. Um, well, hey, I'm, not, I'm really not going to be long tonight. Um, I'm going to share... Uh, I just I do feel like um, I have a message that is timely. I believe it's what the Lord laid on my heart to share um, for us as a house right now, um, especially in light of everything, just kind of the world has been walking through. And uh, how many of you think that just times are just a little crazy right now? It's like, it's just crazy. Like there's so many jokes about 2020, but it's true. It's like wild. It's like, what's going to happen next? Um, but I am going to share a message that I believe is timely, um, that I really hope just lands and just really lands in our hearts. And, and my prayer, if nothing else, is that every single one of us will leave tonight like really encouraged, like actually encouraged and strengthened and filled with a new measure of hope. Everybody say hope. Like, I love talking about hope, and that's what I want to talk about tonight is I want to talk about being a people of hope. And uh, one of my favorite scriptures um, around the whole idea of hope is Romans 15, verse 13. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It says this. Romans 15, 13 says this. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Everybody say in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, just want to, I want to just read that one more time. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. How many of you could just, you know, always use a little bit more joy, like, in your life? And peace. Could ever, anybody use a little bit more, more peace sometimes? And then it says, in believing that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk just for a few minutes about being a people of hope because here's the deal. I really believe that, first of all, let me just define hope as this. There's a lot of different definitions, but I believe even Wikipedia kind of frames it this way. That to have hope is to have, uh, and I'm going to add the word joyful, but to have hope is to have a joyful, confident expectation that good is coming. To be a people of hope means to be a people that have a joyful, confident, like I'm convinced, expectation that good things are going to happen and good things are coming my way, both for me personally, my family, my church, my city, my nation, and the world. 
Like to have hope is to be filled with this expectation. And, and Paul said, may the God of hope fill you so much so with, with joy and peace in believing that you would abound in this thing called hope. Because here's the deal. I believe that the enemy would love in the hour that we live in more than anything else for sons and daughters of God and the church to shrink back in discouragement, in hopelessness, to throw in the towel and just give up. And, and I just want to say this, we need to, it's so important that we guard and protect our hope, not just for us, but for the world around us. If we're going to like offer something of significance, if we're going to offer something of substance, not a religion, not a list of rules, not like just going to church, but if we're going to offer something of substance to a hurting and a broken and a confused world, we need to personally have this thing called hope. I love the way Bill Johnson puts it. He says, he who has the most hope has the most influence. And I believe the more hope we have, this joyful, confident expectation of good, the more we're actually going to offer something to the world. They're just going to watch the way that we live and be like, man, there's something about them. Like, even when things are going crazy, even when things are all jacked up around them, like, they're st they still have joy. They still have peace. Like, what is it about them? And his name is Jesus Christ. He is the hope of glory. So I want to talk about being a people of hope. And I just want to share just like three quick things around the idea of hope. And the first thing that I want to share is this. It's really simple, really obvious. We preach this from this house all the time, but I, I really need to touch on it right now. If we're going to be a people of hope, we need to understand hope is rooted in the belief that God is good. It is rooted in the conviction that God is a really, really, really good God. In fact, everybody say he's better than I think he is. Like God is way, 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 way better than we could ever imagine. And if we're going to be a people of hope, like we can't have hope if we don't believe that he's good. I wasn't going to go here, but like I love Exodus 33 when, when Moses is leading the people of Israel. And next thing we know, you know, he's, he's up on this mountain with the Lord and and, and God spoke to him, and he's telling him to lead his people. And, and Moses said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't even send me to lead these people. Moses is like, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, like, I don't want to do this thing. Like, I don't want to just go through the motions. How many of you know we need the presence in us and upon us to, to release the kingdom to the world? And Moses said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't even send us from here. And, and God said this. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then remember Moses' prayer. He said, okay, God, show me your glory. God responds and he says this. Okay, Moses, there's a hole in that rock. There's like a cave. I'm going to stick you in there. I don't know how all this works. He's like, but I'm going to, and I'm going to cover you with my hand. And then I'm going to cause my goodness to pass over you. And I love this because there's so much prophetic, uh, there's so much prophetic analogy in this. First of all, God said to Moses, he said, Moses, there's a place on the rock where you shall stand. In the new covenant, it says that we are standing on the rock and his name's Jesus. And then God said, I'm going to stick you in the rock and cause my goodness to pass over you. Well, how many of you know that Christ is the rock and we're not just standing on him, but we, the Bible says that we are in Christ. 
was all a prophetic picture. And then he said, I'm going to cause all of my goodness to pass over you. Wait a minute. Moses said, God, show me your glory. He's like, I will. Here's my goodness. Because God's glory is 100% equal to how good he is. In fact, the glory of God is simply God's goodness and his nature manifest and on display. That's the glory of God. So he said, show me your glory. He covers them with his hand. He causes all of his goodness to pass over. You know the story. It says, after that encounter, Moses came off of the mountain and he was so radiant with the glory of God that Israel couldn't even look at him. They had to like, they're like, put a veil over your face. That's too bright. We're like freaked out. And and then in, in, in 2 Corinthians 3, the apostle Paul compares the glory of the old covenant that Moses encountered with the glory of the new covenant that you and I have in Jesus Christ. And Paul basically says this. He said, if the glory of the old covenant was so glorious that they couldn't even look at Moses when he encountered it, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings life? Being the new covenant that you and I are in. But to be a people of hope, we need to understand that he is incredibly good. And if you want to know how good God is, like we just need to look at the person of Jesus Christ. I believe it's Bill Johnson that said this, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. And if you want to know how good God is, we just need to look at Jesus. Remember in John 14, when... Uh, Philip came to Jesus. He's been, he's been hanging out with the disciples for a while. He's teaching them. He's leading them. He's discipling them. And then Philip came to Jesus one day, and he's like, Jesus, um, we love all this, but when are you going to show us the Father? And Jesus is like, Philip, have you been with us? Have you been with me this long, and you don't understand that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Like Jesus is perfect theology. Hebrews 1 says that the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. And listen to this, the exact representation of his nature. Like Jesus is the fullness of God on display. So if you want to know what God is like, look at the life of Jesus. Notice how he healed every single person that came to him. You never find Jesus turning somebody away that came to him for healing and being like, you know what, I know I healed all those people, but I'm gonna let you hang on to your sickness because it's teaching you humility, it's teaching you a lesson, so I healed them, but I'm gonna let you hang. No, you won't find that in scripture. He healed all who came unto him. Everywhere he went, he was healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. In fact, Jesus told his disciples in one place, he is basically his mission statement. He said, listen, I have come to destroy the works of the devil. It was like, it's what he came to do. John 10.10, he gave another mission statement. He said, the devil, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to what? I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, or life to the fullest. So Jesus is the goodness of God on display. And if you want to know what the Father's like, we just need to look at the life of Jesus. And the, and the disciples get it wrong sometimes. Remember when um, they went to preach in a village, I believe it was to the Samaritans, and they, they rejected the gospel, and the disciples were like, Jesus, do you want us to call fire down from heaven like Elijah and just destroy them because they didn't? And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you don't even know what spirit you're of. In other words, you don't even know what spirit you're tapping into right now to even want to do that because I didn't hear. He's like, I didn't come to take lives, but to give life. 
and we find the goodness of God on display in the person of Jesus. And, and, the, and the reality is this. When we start to get a revelation of the goodness of God, we start to have a joyful, confident expectation that good things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen to me. Good things are going to happen to, to my, my community. Good things are going to happen in the world because God is good. That's hope. I have a friend in, uh, I haven't talked to him in years, but I had a friend in ministry school uh, when I was in ministry school who was like growing in this revelation of the goodness of God. And um, one day he went to bed meditating on the goodness of God. And he was actually meditating on Ephesians 3, 19 through 21, where it says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, to him be glory in the church for generations. And he's going to bed meditating on the scripture and he, and, he, and he prays this prayer as he's going to sleep. He's like, God, I believe that even as I'm going to sleep tonight, you're gonna be doing things behind the scenes just to bless me, just because you love me. I love what Christy said earlier. Like, he likes us. He doesn't just love us, he likes us, and he loves to give good gifts to his children. So he's getting this revelation of the love of God and the goodness of God. He's like, God, even as I sleep tonight, like, you're gonna bless me somehow. So he falls asleep, and the next morning he wakes up to a phone call. And uh, my friend um, Daniel like had this online ministry at an online magazine called Revival Lifestyle, and he did this like incredible digital art with this computer software like on his phone. Like during worship, I'd be standing with him at Bethel, and he'd be like, you know, just just worshiping, but also doing this like painting with his finger on this program or this like angelic encounter, and it was like really really cool. And he started selling his artwork, and he had this little online business, but he was a student and he was broke. And he goes to bed praying this prayer. Even while I sleep, I believe that you're going to be blessing me. The next morning, he wakes up to a phone call. The phone wakes him up. And you know how, like, are you like me? Like, if, if the phone rings and it wakes you up in a bed, like, you try to put on your voice, like, so that you've been awake for, like, a couple hours. Like, I can never fool people. They're like, you were sleeping, weren't you? I'm like, I totally was. But he tried to do that. Phone rings. He's like, hello? And they're like, is this Daniel? And they said his last name. He said, yeah. And they said this, they said, this is Apple computers calling. And we just want you to know that somebody called anonymously and said they want to buy you some new like software and computer equipment for your ministry and your business and things that you're doing. And they said, there's no limit to how much you can, you can get. So like, what do you want? <laughs> and he's like, it just like, it threw him off. He's like, whoa. He's like, he's like, I don't know, like, so he, and so he, he started like telling them some things that he wanted. And he told me later, he's like, I got like $3,000 worth of stuff. I'm like, bro, you should have got at least 10. Like they said, no limits. Everybody say no limits. Like they said, there's no limits to what you can get. Now, now, isn't that cool? He was, he was meditating on the scripture. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. And he wakes up to this because he's growing in this revelation of the goodness of God and a joyful, confident expectation of good. Now, it's not all about just getting stuff, but it is about attaching expectation to the nature of God. Like, what if we just woke up every day, like, actually expecting good things to happen? Like, on our way to work, I don't know what's going to happen today, but, like, good things are going to happen. Like, they have to, because he's good. And he's in me and he's upon me. And there's something about attaching our hope, our faith, and our expectation to the goodness of God that actually, I believe, attracts things to manifest in our lives. And then what happens if we actually 
attach words to the things that we're expecting. Now, I'm not one of those name it and claim it, like blab it and grab it, like, you know, like extreme, like what people would call word of faith people. But I do believe the kingdom of God is voice activated. And when we declare things, Lord, I just thank you that you're going to do amazing things today. Like lately, Anna and I have been trying to be intentional about just in the morning before the girls get up. Like we're those parents that like tell our girls they're not allowed to come downstairs until like a certain time. And like even when they wake up and come downstairs, we're like, nope. We're like, back to your room. We'll tell you when you can come down because we need sanity, okay? And so, um, so Sarah's like, yes, that's the word of the Lord. Um, so, but we, we're, we're just trying to be intentional about taking time to not just pray together, but we, we believe in the power of declaration. And I like to set up my day. I believe we can plant like Holy Ghost, like landmines throughout our day. And, you know, I had a, I, one, of the, one, of my, uh, one of the leaders at Bethel, Stephen De Silva, I remember him having a teaching how he would actually plant seeds into his future. And he'd be like, God, I thank you that later today just some amazing things are going to happen. I'm going to come into incredible financial favor this week. I'm going to meet people, and I'm going to come into financial favor this week. And then he would, like, set dates. He'd be like, Lord, I thank you that in March, on March 12, 2021, I'm going to encounter somebody that's going to give me a prophetic word that's going to change my life. And he would just pray about tomorrow and then the next week and the next month and the next years. And he would start to declare things into his future because he believed the kingdom of God is voice activated. Like what if we attached expectation and declaration to our expectation around the goodness of God? I believe that we would see incredible things happen. So, but we, but it's rooted in the belief that God is really, really, really good. And let me, let me just give you some good theology 101. The devil is bad <laughs> and God's good. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught his disciples to pray heaven to earth. Like, in the last I checked, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no poverty. There's no depression. There's no anxiety. There's no fear. So when heaven touches earth and when we pray heaven to earth, that means we're praying heaven's reality into this realm. And everything that's, that's not of heaven has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus everywhere the kingdom of God goes. So it affects our prayer life. It makes us pray, not God, if it's your will, heal this person. He already showed us 2,000 years ago, it was his will. He healed all who came unto him. So we say, Lord, I thank you that you wanna heal them in Jesus' name. And then you can command them to be healed and thank you in advance for their healing because you know it's God's will. I know this, I'm preaching to the choir in so many ways, but is this helping anybody at all? We don't say, God, if it's your will, like work out the situation at work. No, we know it's his will because he's come to give you life and life more abundantly. But that hope is anchored in the belief that he's good. I've talked enough about that. Let me just say this as well. When it comes to hope, hope doesn't limit God to one particular outcome. Having hope in God doesn't limit him to an answered prayer in the way that you want him to answer your prayer. This is important. Like, I like to put it this way, hope has options. <laughs> See, 
there's, see, listen, I love faith and faith is important, but there, there's actually a difference between faith and hope. Faith is pretty specific. It's I'm believing God for this particular outcome. Like I'm believing God for a job at, you know, you name the company, this position, and I want it by this. Like it's specific. Whereas hope is a general optimistic belief that I don't know exactly what's going to work out. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I believe that it's good because he's good and he's faithful and I can trust him. And faith doesn't limit God. I believe that that sometimes in the church, we can hold God hostage to a particular answered prayer and it can actually shipwreck our faith. We can get so specific about, I'm believing God for this, that if he doesn't do that, we don't know what to do with ourselves. See, I think faith is important. We, there's times where we need to believe God for specific outcomes. But let me just say this, faith without hope surrounding it gets weird. Like, Anna and I walked through this. You know our story, or most of you do. Like, we got married in 2012, shortly after, started um, trying to get pregnant. In a short period of time, we were told, you know what? You guys probably aren't going to get pregnant. How's that for a word of encouragement? <laughs> you know, we went to see specialists. We were living in Redding, California at the time. We went to see specialists in Chico. We saw specialists in, in, uh, in Redding. And they're like, yeah, you probably want to consider um, adoption, which we love adoption. Um, you might want to consider, you know, this route. Um, but we were like, but they weren't really offering us, us much hope at all. Um, but, you know, fast forward. And by the way, we got everybody with an anointing and even people that didn't have an anointing. We didn't care. Pray for us, you know, like Bill, Bill Johnson prayed for us, Chris Gore, like who is the best healing anointing? And let's get them to pray for us. You know, like we had everybody pray for us and, you know, we would travel and get prophetic words that we're, we're going to get pregnant and that, and, and see, see, we had faith to get pregnant, but we also had hope that even if we don't get pregnant naturally, we believe God can work this out somehow. Now, fast forward to 2015, we moved to San Antonio. We find out that we're literally 15 minutes from the best fertility treatment center in the state. We go to our first consultation, and this is crazy. Like, this is so the Lord. We walk into the office, and nurses are walking around. Our first day there, nurses are walking around in the, uh, in the doctor's office with T-shirts that say hope written across them. And we could feel like an atmosphere of, of peace, and we could feel an atmosphere of hope. And when we had the consultation with the specialist, he, you know, even his language wasn't like, if you guys get pregnant, it was when you get pregnant. He's like, when you guys get pregnant, and we're like, man, this feels good. And then, and then so, so faith would say, we're going to get pregnant, and it's going to be natural, and it's going to be on this date, and it's going to be this gender, you know. But, but hope will say, I don't know how God's going to do this, but he's faithful. So we go to this, we go to the consultation, and within a couple weeks, we weren't just pregnant, but pregnant with identical twins who are now four and a half years old and are home happy and healthy and driving us crazy sometimes. <laughs> and, and now we have baby number three. And because we, 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 we hung on to hope and we believed that we had options and, and hope doesn't limit God to one particular outcome the way that we want him to do it. Does that make sense? You know, one of the things that really like made me pursue Anna, like we were friends for like two years before we even started dating and then we started, you know, kind of, you know, we started having some conversations, like is this going somewhere? And do you know what like 
do you know what like really impressed me? <laughs> like she, I could tell that she wasn't worried about it. And she was like, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be okay because there's a lot of fish in the sea. And I was like, dang. You know how some people are like, you know, God told me this person's going to be my spouse. And, and like, you know, some people are like, God, they're going to be my spouse. But I like, didn't tell the other person. <laughs> it's like, well, you might want to wait for him to t- tell him, you know, or tell her. But like, you know what? I have options. And she's like, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be okay because there's a lot of great guys out here. And that kind of made me go, dang, like I better get on this because she's not worried about it. <laughs> By the way, that's, that's a word for some of you single people out there. It's like everybody say hope has options. And listen, I know we're in a crazy time. Um, you know, especially with all this election stuff and, you know, it's still being, you know, undecided and what's going to happen. And let me just say this. Yes, we need to vote. Yes, we need to vote kingdom principles. Yes, we need to do our best. And yes, it is so important that, uh, that, that the government and, and the courts do everything possible to make sure it was a fair election, that all the votes were counted, that there was no fraud. We need to do all that. But let me just say this. At the end of the day, our hope needs to be in Jesus Christ and not in a person. And we need to say, you know what? No matter what happens with all this, I'm still going to have hope. Because it's in Jesus. And it's not in a circumstance. It's not in an outcome. Pray for your desired outcome. Declare your desired outcome. I don't, I don't care. But put your hope in Jesus Christ above everything else. Because he's still on the throne no matter what happens. Does that make sense? We need to hang on to our help, hope. And listen. Um, that's all I'm going to say about this. Third thing I want to say is this. I don't feel like we talk a lot about this, but I think it's important. Hope is, we do talk about this, but I might, I might frame it a little bit differently. Like true biblical hope is rooted not in this life, but in the life to come. It's rooted in eternity. Maybe a better way to put it is this. Like hope is rooted in a different realm. Like Sometimes I think about the Apostle Paul and I think about the early church. And do you know why things just didn't phase them? Like, do you know why, like, Paul and Silas could be thrown in prison in Acts 16 for preaching the gospel? They're chained up and it wasn't like a, like a comfortable prison. Like, some people think that it was like their sewer systems is kind of where they chained people. And it would have, it would have been, like, it would have smelt bad. It would have been cold. There probably would have been disease down there. And they're chained up in this dungeon. And it says at about midnight, Paul and Silas, chained up, were, were praying and singing hymns to God. Like, chained up. Like, possibly about to die. But Paul was like, Paul was so like blissed out on the, on the love and the joy of God. Like they thought he was crazy. That's why he said like, listen, if I'm out of my mind, it's for your sake. Paul was a little crazy. And it's because he was so filled with the revelation of the love, the goodness, and the glory of God. 
that it didn't, it doesn't matter. Like, like you got to be a little bit crazy for people to take you outside the town because this happened. Read, read the book of Acts and stone him to death almost and leave him. He, like, he was so beat and stoned that they left him. They thought he was dead. What did Paul do? He got back up. He walked back up into the town and kept preaching the gospel. Like it's a little crazy because he was, he was so anchored and rooted in a different realm. Like it's, it's, it's that type of thing that caused like Stephen in Acts 16. Remember Stephen? Stephen like was one of the elders or they called him a deacon that waited on the tables and that served the, served the poor when they gathered. But it said that Stephen was also a man filled with wisdom and the spirit of God. And in, around Acts 16, it talks about how Stephen was like preaching. It's a whole chapter of him preaching to people after they arrest him. And it says at the end of his sermon, it says they looked at him and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now, I don't think that just means he was good looking. I don't think it just means like he had a good smile or white teeth. Like, I, I believe he was literally like radiating with the glory of God. And it says they saw that his face was like the face of the angel. And then they began stoning him. And as they began stoning him, and as the rocks began to hit him, like the, his last words were, were, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like, they don't even know what they're doing. They don't know you. Forgive them. In the midst of being stoned, he was so filled with the love and compassion and glory of God that he was actually having compassion for the people that were stoning him to death. His face was glowing, and then it said he fell asleep and went to be with the Lord. Like, what was it? What kind of hope did Paul and Silas have in prison? What kind of hope did Stephen have? Their hope was rooted in a different realm. They were, they were rooted and grounded in eternity. And I remember not that long ago, I was, just, I was talking to Anna, and I was like, Anna, like, how often do you actually think about eternity? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, how often do you actually think about the fact that, like, the reality is, like, our current experience on earth, the way that it is, and whatever your eschatology is, whether you think the earth's going to be destroyed and we're going to go to another realm or earth, heaven's actually going to come to earth and it's going to set up his kingdom on the earth and we're going to live here for the other, it doesn't matter. My point is this, like, our current experience on earth is so short compared to eternity. And I believe part of what kept Paul, Stephen, and all these people who made history for God filled with hope, no matter what happened to them or what happened around them, is they were actually rooted in another realm. And I believe that we can, we can have such a revelation of the love, the glory, the goodness of God, that that realm, the heavenly realm, can actually become more real to us than this earthly realm. Like, what if we were so just convinced of his goodness, his glory, the fact that we're seated with him in heavenly places. That's why Paul said, listen, I've been crucified with Christ. He's like, my old man was crucified a long time ago with Jesus, and now I live um, risen with Christ as a new creation. He, he, he was a dead man. His old man was dead. And how many of you know that dead people can't get offended? <laughs> like dead people can't hold grudges. Dead people can't like go through life with roots of bitterness and anger and strife. It's like we are new creations in Christ. And my prayer is that us as a house and the church all over the world would just grow in this thing called hope as we believe in his goodness, as we don't hold them hostage to one particular outcome, but we just have this overall 
like optimistic expectation that good is coming. Because listen, we are of another realm. We're of another kingdom. Like we are citizens of another realm. Called to release that realm here no matter what happens. And I love this. And Paul sums it up. And I'll close with this almost in Philippians 3. He said this. Philippians 3, starting in verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Verse 18. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind, listen to this, their mind is set on earthly things. Listen, that's why it says in another place, Paul said, don't, he said, fix your, your mind on things above and not on the things of this world. Their mind is set on earthly things. Verse 20, listen to this. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Like there's just something of, about getting a revelation of eternity that it just, it just does something. Like we're of another realm. It just makes the, the difficulties of this world. It doesn't mean they're not real. It doesn't mean that you know, we ignore them, but it does mean that when we're seated with him in heavenly places, we can have heaven's perspective on the things that happen around us. That no matter what happens, we know we're of another realm anyway. And when we understand that, we can release that realm here. Just um, a few years ago, Anna and I were uh, in, in East Texas visiting her parents and, and some of Anna's uh, friends that she knew from YWAM had a little girl who was about four years old, actually about the same age as um, our girls, Autumn and Charlie, right now. And she had gotten cancer. She got, um, uh, I think it was leukemia. And she had already had some chemo treatments. And uh, she had lost all of her hair. And um, she just, and she was dying. Um, they asked us to come pray for her. We came and prayed for her. But she was so, her spirits were so high. Like She's like, come on into my room and have some tea. So we go in there and we're in her bedroom. And she's like, has a little tea party for us. And she's giving us tea. And listen, I don't know how this works. But she was like, she had so many close calls. Like, or she was getting so close to, to dying that it's like the veil was thin. And she was starting to have angelic. Um, visions, and she would sometimes tell her mom, like, she'd be like, what are you laughing at in the living room? She's like, the little girl in here that's, that's roaring like a lion, and she's like seeing things, like in the spirit, and, and she, was just, she, she was just in touch with heaven, but her mom told us this story that one day, they were on their way um, back from one of her appointments at the doctor, and her, name's, her name was Phoebe. She was in the back seat, and her mom was driving, and her mom was crying. She's just overwhelmed with everything that's happening, and Phoebe's in the back seat, and, uh, and she could tell that her mom's crying even though she was trying to hide it from her. And she goes, she goes, mom, she said, yeah. She said, God's not a meanie. <laughs> and, her, and her mom goes, I know, Phoebe, he's not a meanie. And then she goes, no, mom, say it. <laughs> she goes, say, God's not a meanie and I'm not afraid. <laughs> Four years old. So her mom's like choking back tears. She's like, God's not a meanie and I'm not afraid. And why? Because Phoebe's hope was rooted in eternity. That no matter what happened, she was still filled with hope because she was of another realm. And Phoebe ended up going to be with the Lord, but she went knowing that God's not a meanie <laughs> and that she doesn't have to be afraid. And 
And I just felt like tonight, um, God wanted to release some fresh hope to our hearts. And um, if you can, either the, either the musicians come up or you can play something back there. You know, just as I was thinking about this the other day, this, um, this, old, this line from an old hymn just kept going through my mind. And uh, it, was, it was the hymn that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And uh, I looked it up, and it was written in 1834 by a pastor named Edmund, Ed, sorry, Edward Moat in England. And he wrote like 100 hymns, but this is the one he's most w well known for. And I looked it up, and, and I just, I printed some of the lyrics. Just listen to this. And let this just go into your heart. Just no matter what's going on around you, personally, what's going on in the nation, no matter what it is that you're hoping for, Let's remember that our hope is in the person of Jesus. And it says this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness hides his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And I just, I just read that and I thought, man, that is it. Like our hope, needs to be in the man, Christ Jesus, his blood and his righteousness and that alone. So let's just stand where we are. And let's just put our hands on our heart. Father, I just thank you for your goodness. thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. And God, I thank you that you're good and that you showed your goodness in the person of Jesus. That you're better than we think you are. And I pray, Lord, that we would just align our hearts and our expectations with your goodness. Pray, Lord, that we wouldn't hold you hostage to one particular answered prayer. But we would believe, Romans 8, 28, that no matter what happens to us personally, to what's happening around us, we can trust that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And Father, I pray that we would have our hope not in the things of this world, but in eternity where we're citizens in heaven. Lord, that you would make that realm even more real to us than this realm right now so that we could release your realm into this realm. In Jesus' name, fill us with hope tonight, God. Fill us with peace, fill us with joy, and fill us with your presence. And listen, if you're here, I just wanna to minister to a few people. If you're here right now, 
and you say, you know what, I'm just, I need the God of hope to fill me with his hope. I just need a fresh infilling of hope. If that's you, just raise your hand. We're gonna have some people pray for you. You say, I just need fresh hope tonight. Just raise it nice and high. The rest of you just look around. And if you see somebody with their hand up, do you mind just putting a hand on them if they're okay with it? And we're just gonna pray for just a fresh measure of hope to fill them right now. Lord, if there's any hopelessness or discouragement, I pray for hope to come right now. We release fresh hope, Lord, into every person that raised their hand. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, where there's discouragement, I just pray that you would bring encouragement. Where there's hopelessness, bring hope. Where there's fear, I pray that you would bring your perfect love to cast out all fear. Yeah, just begin to just pray for them just for another minute, just out loud. Just begin to pray. Lord, fill them with your hope. Fill them with your peace. Fill them with your joy. Just fill them up, Lord. Fill them up right now with your hope, with your peace, with your joy. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're giving them the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Fill them up. Fill them up your peace, your joy, your life, your light. Yeah, I just have this picture of like, and I'm not saying your eyes haven't been on the Lord. Don't hear that. Don't, don't, don't be condemned. But I, I just see your eyes just looking up where your eyes have maybe been on circumstances. I just see like this little tweak of you just like, lifting your eyes up and looking at Jesus. And as you lock eyes with him, everything else is just, as it were, growing strangely dim as you look at Jesus. So Father, I just pray for hope, for peace, for joy, and your presence to rest on them, that they would leave tonight strengthened and encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank Jesus tonight? Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website at kingdomlifesa.com for more podcasts, updates, and events, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed day.